it's back to school time, and we have all of our kids coming up. Come on. They're going to be, they're coming up. We're going to pray for them. <laughs> so glad uh, to have them joining us this morning, and, and just kind of line up against the front, guys. And then we just want to say, if you're in the crowd, and you're in middle school, high school, college, or you are a teacher, we want to pray for you too, but you can just stay where you are if you would just stand up, because uh, we want to pray for you. And so if you see somebody standing up around you, would you just lay hands on them? Just come up, gather around them. We're going to pray over them this morning, okay? If everybody would uh, kind of find somebody and make sure that everybody has somebody praying with them. All right. And you guys look great this morning. You do. What a handsome group. Who has more handsome kids than we do, right? I'm telling you, beautiful, beautiful. So let's pray. Father God, we just come before you now. We thank you for everyone that's standing and all of these uh, students that are here today, the teachers. We thank you for what you're going to do in their life this school year. We thank you, Father, that you're going to touch lives and you're going to minister to hearts. And so, Lord, as we head back to school, Father, for all of these students, I pray for them this morning that confidence would be their foundation. May grace be their guide. May hope be their compass towards a great year. I pray, Lord, that you would give them eyes to see the needs of those that are around them, a heart to love well. May they face every day with joy, Lord, knowing that you are with them and remind them that they are not alone. Father, we thank you for the amazing teachers who serve our children. Fill them with strength to lead, grace to guide, hope to thrive in the classroom. Bless them beyond all measure for their willingness to pour into the next generation. We thank you, Lord, for the blessings of a brand new school year. And we're going to all say it in agreement together. Amen. All right. Good job, guys. JJ. Awesome. How's everybody? Good. <laughs> that doesn't sound very convincing. <laughs> How's everybody? Oh, it's good. We're all right. So glad that you're here. I know I said that this morning, but man, I am. I'm glad. It's always a joy to be here with you today. I'm excited about what God is doing today. We're finishing up our series that we've been in, The Rhythm of Life. We've been talking about margin and what it is and why we so desperately need it in our lives. And I love this story. There was this pet truck uh, driver, a delivery driver, who was driving this big delivery truck. And as he was driving through, every time he hit a stoplight, he would get out of the delivery truck and he would take a big two-by-four and just start banging it on the back of the truck. And he did this about three or four times, and the guy that was finally that was driving behind him just couldn't stand it anymore, and he said, hey, what are you doing? And the guy says, well, I've got, a, I've got four tons of parakeets in a truck that's a two-ton truck, and you've got to keep about two tons of them up in the air all the time. <laughs> you know, for a lot of you, that's where you are in your life right now. You're overloaded, you're juggling so much, you're trying to keep so many things in the air. And so that's why we've been doing this series about living with margin. 
So as we get started, I want to take just a quick survey, just a quick survey with you guys. And I want to talk to you about how far do you, your tank have to get empty before you fill it up? All right. So if you're here and you would say, you know, Robert, after I use a quarter of the tank, it's still about three quarters full, but I'm going to go and fill that thing up. Is that anybody? Can I see your hands? You guys are crazy. You guys are nuts. All right. Those of you that say, I'm about half full. If it gets about half full, I'm going and, and doing that. Okay. How many of you say, I, I wait till I'm about a quarter of a tank. I get down to about a quarter of a tank. I'm going, that's, that's the main group. How many of you would say, I wait until it's about five miles past empty, and then I fill it up. <laughs> There's my tribe. Come on. All right. Yeah. All right. Here's another question. How many of you would say, that you've ever run out of gas. Can I see your hands? If you've ever run out of gas, just stand to your feet real quick. If you've ever run out of gas, come on, be honest. Some of you guys are fibbing. If you've ever run out of gas, look around, man. All right, you can be seated. Now, why do you think we do that? Why do you think we run out of gas? I'm going to give you 10 reasons why I think we run out of gas. And I want, to write, I want you to write these down, pull out your message notes, kind of track with me. Because every one of these 10 reasons parallel with your spiritual life, your emotional life, your relational life, and your financial life. So I'm going to give you 10 reasons we run out of gas. Because can you run out of gas emotionally? Absolutely, right? Can you run out of gas spiritually? You bet. Can you run out of gas in a relationship? Sure. Can you run out of gas financially? Absolutely, man, we can. So every one of these 10 reasons we run out of gas actually parallels why you might be running out of gas in your life and why you need to live on margin. So let's jump in. The very first reason that you might be running out of gas is, number one, not starting out with a full tank. Now, earlier in the series, we talked about the idea that how you start your day sets your day. If you don't start your day with a full tank, you're going to be running on empty by the end of the day. You have to start with a full tank emotionally, spiritually, and that's why you need quiet time with the Lord. We covered that earlier in the series, so I'm going to move on. The second reason we run out of gas is being too busy to pause and refuel. Yeah, now we've all done this. Man, you're, you're, you're busy, you're in a hurry, you know you need to get gas, but you think, you know what, if I stop, I'm going to be late, you know, I don't have time. And then, you know, you don't take time to pause and refuel, and what happens? You run out of gas. Now, that's also true in your life. If you don't have a regular time of refueling spiritually, refueling emotionally, refueling and renewing relationships around you, you're going to run out of gas. Number three. The third reason is, is that we are unaware of hidden leaks in our tank. Hidden leaks that are draining us, right? You can run out of gas if you have hidden leaks in your tank. And it's the same in your life. There's often hidden leaks in our life that we don't really realize, it, but it's just kind of bringing us out of, out of gas. Now, the two biggest causes of hidden leaks in our life, I think, are these. Relationships and responsibilities, relationships and responsibilities. Anybody ever have a relationship that just absolutely drained them? Show me your hand. Don't look at them. Just show me your hand. <laughs> all right? I mean, you know, we all have. 
And before you know it, what happens is it's draining your energy. It's draining your creativity. It's draining your strength and your walk with the Lord and more. Relationships can be a hidden leak in your life. Same with responsibilities. You can get so many responsibilities going. You've got so many irons in the fire that you're putting out the fire. You can have so many responsibilities going that you can't keep them all juggling. You can't keep all your parakeets in the air. And what happens is, man, everything just starts going south responsibilities and relationships can keep you running on empty. Here's the fourth one. Ignoring the owner's manual, right? And pushing my car farther than it was created to go. In your car, there is a book that you have probably never, ever even looked at. It is in your glove compartment. It's been there for years. You've never looked at it. Even though your car is about five years old, you've never even actually looked at this book other than when it first went into your glove compartment. The owner's manual will tell you in specific detail because the creators, the manufacturers have tested and researched and done everything to be able to determine very well what your car is capable of doing. It will let you know, the designers, the manufacturers, will let you know exactly how far your car can go, given how many miles per gallon it's going to get and how many gallons you have in your tank. And I don't care how much faith you got, you're never going to have a bigger tank. It's the same tank, right? You may say, well, you know, Robert, I believe that I have a bigger tank than what the car people are telling me, right? You know, I know it'll go more miles than they're saying it's going to go. All the faith in the world is going to give you a bigger tank. It's the tank the Creator gave you. Now, the Bible. The Bible is our owner's manual for life. If you ignore the owner's manual, you are going to run out of gas. And all over the world, in every culture, people are emotionally running out of gas. They're relationally running out of gas. Careers are drying, dying. Dreams are dying because people are not paying attention to the owner's manual. So what happens is, when we ignore our owner's manual, we start pushing our lives harder than we're really created to go. We start pushing our minds harder than it's created to go. We start pushing our emotions harder than God created them to go. And we start running on empty. For instance, in the Bible, it says this. It says, every seven days, take a day off. Every seven days. Now, this is such an important concept to God that he put it right there in the big ten. The ten... The, the Ten what? Commandments. commandments. Not suggestions, right? These are the Ten Commandments. He says, listen, you know, do not kill. You know, don't murder anybody. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. And, and by the way, every seven days, take a day off. Get some rest. Get a little bit of refreshment. See, a Sabbath. A Sabbath is for rest. You rest your body. You refresh your soul. You worship. Man, how many of you, just like even when we worshiped just a few minutes ago, you just felt some things lift off? Man, I did. I did. It's just a powerful thing. You renew your relationships. You revitalize your life. That's in the owner's manual. And if you ignore it, your tank isn't going to get any bigger. It's not going to go any farther. You're just going to run out of gas. Here's number five. Fifth reason we run out of gas is hurry. Hurry, because the faster I drive, and you know this, the faster I drive, the faster I run out of gas. That's just a rule. If you're driving at 80 miles an hour, you're going to burn up way more gas than if you're driving at 40 miles an hour. Driving fast wastes gas. You know, hurry in our life. Hurry in our life depletes our emotions. It depletes our spirits. It depletes our body. I want to ask you, 
What is the speed of your life right now? When you start looking at your life, I mean, really, I want you to take a moment and think about that. What is the speed of your life? If you're going at record speed, you're burning fuel. You're burning emotional fuel, spiritual fuel, mental fuel, much faster than if you just slowed down a little bit. Hurry can cause you to run out of gas faster. Number six, a sixth reason that we run out of gas, being distracted and not watching my gauges. Now, now in most cars, the gauges are right in front of you so that you can keep track of what's happening with your gas and your water and your oil. And when you don't pay attention to the gauges, you can quickly get in trouble. So what are the gauges in your life that you need to be aware of? Well, there's a lot of them, but let me just give you a couple. Sleep can be a gauge, right? Are you getting enough sleep, right? If you're not getting enough sleep, that's a warning light that's saying, warning, warning, you're going to be running out of gas because you're not getting enough rest. I found, for me, I've noticed that weight is a gauge. That when I start getting overstressed, you know, when I'm trying to do too much and I'm just constantly going and going and getting overloaded, I put on weight. It's a definite gauge in my life. Uh, Irritability. Irritability is a gauge that you're going too fast or you're trying to go too far or do too much. If you're irritable and the people that are closest to you say, hey, you know, you seem really touchy lately. You're really, you know, you're, you're a little irritable. You got a little bit of an edge on you. That's a warning light. That's a gauge that you should be watching. Here's number seven. A seventh cause of running on empty is being overloaded. The more I carry, the sooner I run out of gas. The bigger the load, right? The faster we run out of gas. Some of you, you're like the guy in the story. Man, you've got four tons of parakeets in a two-ton truck, and it is wearing you out. You're way overloaded. You've got too many activities, too many responsibilities. You've got too much to do and too little time to do it all. And the problem is, is that you keep telling yourself, I've got this. I can handle this. We're okay. I got this. I can do this, right? And you're about to run out of gas. You're about to run out of gas. The faster you run, the more you're overloaded, the faster you're going to run out of gas. Number eight. An eighth reason that we run out of gas is pressure to do it now. Pressure to do it now. In other words, rapid acceleration wastes gas. You know that. Like, like when you're sitting at the, the stoplight and that guy pulls up in a car alongside of you and he's doing that, right? And then the light, you know, goes green and then he takes out, you know, like crazy, just as fast as he can go. What's he doing? He's burning a lot of unnecessary gas, Right? Rapid acceleration wastes gas. And we do this in our lives. When you've got something to do and you start doing it too fast, your gauges are going to register. Your emotional gauge, your spiritual gauge, your mental gauge, your relational gauges. They start going down really quick because you're doing things too fast. You've got the pedal to the metal and you're pushing it. And you're trying to do things so fast, more fast than you normally should do it. Rapid acceleration wastes gas. Number nine, This one hits really, really close to home. Pride. Thinking that the limits of my tank don't apply to me. Right? Because I'm assuming that, you know, pride pride can cause us to run out of gas really easy because we're assuming that the limits of the tank don't apply to us. And some of you, you think you're Superman. 
You think, I can handle it. Just bring it on. I can do this. You think that the laws of nature and the laws of God, none of that stuff applies to you. And really all it is is arrogance. It's arrogance. Ego will cause you to empty your tank really quick. Nothing will drain you faster than arrogance, ego, and pride because you think, I can do it. I can do this. And you're pushing and you're pushing and you're pushing. And eventually you're going to hit the wall because you didn't take time to refill your tank. Finally, here's number 10. Number 10 is when you have no margin, not allowing time to fill up. And that's really what we're talking about in this series, where you don't have any time. You don't make enough time. Man, you get home at night and you go, man, I know I need to get gas, but I'll just get it in the morning. You know, you're tired. You don't feel like fooling with it. And then you get up in the morning and you leave at the exact same time you always do. You didn't leave yourself enough time to stop and get gas. And so you go, well, now I'm just going to have to get it after work, you know, because I, I just don't have time. I can't make time to do this. And what happens? You run out of gas. You run out of gas. You didn't have a buffer. You didn't make a little bit of extra time. Now, looking at these 10 things, many of you, you're running on empty. You're running on empty, man. You're looking at your life, and, and I can see it. I can see it in your eyes when you come in on a Sunday morning. I say to you, how are you doing? And you go, I'm okay, Robert. I'm okay, Pastor Robert. I'm all right. Liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> you, man, I can see it in your eyes. You're tired. You're worn out. Man, you're, you're, you're just kind of... You're overloaded. You're running on empty. And see, that's the reason I did this series. And if you missed any of the series, you can go back. You can listen to it online on our website, coastcommunity.org. You can go onto iTunes or Google Play. And you can listen to these messages, and I hope that you will. So let's just take the next bit of time that we have together, and let's talk about how do we get our tank filled? How do we actually do that? I love this passage I'm about to share with you. I'm going to base these next six things on this passage. And it's, it's a passage out of Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. And this is Jesus speaking, and this is what he says. He says, if you're tired, stop right there. That's many of you today. You walked in here and you're tired. If you're tired, you know, from carrying heavy burdens, that's overload, it's no margin. If you're tired from carrying heavy burdens, come to me, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Then learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in spirit, and you will find rest for your soul. For the yoke I share with you is easy to wear, and the load is light. So really quickly, I want to give you six things from this passage that will help you keep your tank full. Here's the first one. Write this down. How do you get a full tank? First thing you've got to do, number one, is get fed up. Get fed up. Get fed up with how you've been living, right? Because here's the thing. You've got to get dissatisfied. Nothing happens in your life until you get dissatisfied with the way your life is. As long as you're willing to live in a rut, as long as you're willing to live stressed out, as long as you're willing to live overextended, nothing's going to happen. I mean, you could go through this entire series on how to live a more sane, more peaceful than pressured, more significant rather than stressed out life and still do nothing about it. And a year from now, you're going to be the same stressed out person, the same worn out person. You're probably going to be more tired than you were. You're not going to have gotten anywhere because you didn't get fed up. Turn to your neighbor and say, get fed up. Get fed up. That's where things start to happen. 
Now, here's the hard part. What is it that causes us to get fed up? What is it that causes us to get dissatisfied? What causes us to finally make a change in our lives? Pain. Pain, right? We don't change when we see the light. We change when we feel the heat, right? And when the heat gets hot enough and you end up in the hospital and you're flat on your back because you were pushing too hard, all of a sudden you go, this is no bueno. <laughs> I got I to gotta, I gotta do something different. This is no good. I can't keep going like this. Going back to Matthew 11, Jesus says, if you're tired from carrying heavy burdens, are you running on empty today? Is that your life? Are you fed up with the the pace of your life? Are you willing to do something about it? Will you say, you know what? I'm going to do something different. I'm going to need to change. You know, man, I, I know that if I don't change, something is going to break. All right? If I don't change, man, something is going to break. See, if you make that decision today, if you say, you know what, I'm going to change my life, then you won't break. What you'll have is a breakthrough. Come on, somebody. That's what we need in our life. Some of you came walking in this morning, and you are desperately in need of a breakthrough in your life. And I believe that God is bringing you to that point. And you may be going through rough circumstances right now, but they are taking you towards something. There's a momentum. I'm speaking prophetically to you. There is a momentum that is happening in your life right now where even though you may not understand what's happening around you, God is bringing you towards his preferred future for your life. And he wants to change something inside of you. He wants to bring you to a point where things are better and they look differently. And all of a sudden you are waking up in the morning with a purpose in your life. Because you know God is working inside of you. That's what he wants to do in your life. Man, you're ready for a breakthrough. So you have to get fed up with the pace that this crazy culture demands. And you only have two choices. Break down. That doesn't sound fun. (laughs) Break down or break through. Right? See, some of you, you are running so hard. You're successful, but you're worn out. You're successful, but you're stressed. Listen to me. You can be famous, but not fulfilled. You can have a lot of money, but not a lot of meaning. You can have a lot to live on, but nothing to live for. And that's what happens with a lot of people. This is increasing. We see this in our culture. And it's resulting in in, in suicides at alarming rates. It's even happening with our kids. And the stress on our kids are coming from those little cell phones that are comparison tools where they're comparing themselves with everybody else on social media. And so it's either break down or break through. And the way you're going to change it is you gotta get, got to get fed up. you got to get fed up. Now, if you say, okay, Robert, I'm in. I'm fed up. I don't want to live like this anymore. Then this can possibly be the most significant message in your life. All right, here's number two. Second step. Step one is get fed up. Step number two is come to Jesus. You know, Jesus in this passage uses three big verbs. Come, take, and learn. Say this with me. Come, take, learn. That's the next three three steps. First he says, come to me. Come to me. Bring me the good, the bad, the ugly of your life. Bring me the pain, the frustration, the shame. Bring me the exhaustion. Just bring it all to me. Come to me and I will give you a sermon. He didn't say that, right? Come to me and I'll give you a sermon. He says, come to me and I will give you what? Rest. Rest. The second step to refilling your tank is to come to Jesus. 
Now, I want you to notice who you come to and what he wants to give you. First off, who are you coming to? He didn't say come to church. He didn't say come to religion. He didn't say come to rules and regulations and rituals and all these do's and don'ts. He doesn't say that. He says come to me. Right? The antidote for the stress and the overload in your life is not a plan for time management. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just not an antidote for your soul. It's not a, uh, it's not a program for stress relief. Man, it's not, a, it's not a philosophy. It's not a pill. It's not a plan or a program. It's a person. Right? It's a person. Jesus said, come to me. I made you. I love you. I care about you. I understand you better than you understand yourself. I know everything about you. Come to me. Now, in the Bible, people came to Jesus for all kinds of reasons. Some came for forgiveness. Some came for healing. Some came for advice. Some came for eternal life. Some came for food. Some came to criticize. Some came to question. Some came because they were skeptics. You know the thing is? Jesus didn't care why people came to him. He just wanted them to come. Jesus doesn't care why you come to him as long as you come. And you come to him and say, God, I'm wiped out. I'm tired. My life, I'm tired. I'm just exhausted. I'm, I'm stressed. I'm depressed. I'm lonely. I'm guilty. I, I'm ashamed. I'm angry. I'm bitter. I'm unfulfilled. I'm worried in my life. Jesus doesn't care why you come. He just says, come. Come to me. The answer is a person. Come to me, Jesus, and I will give you rest. Now I want you to look at this next verse that's on the screen. In John 6, 47, Jesus, Jesus says something very, very important. He says, whoever comes to me, I will never reject. So you don't have to worry. You don't have to say, hey, Robert, you know, what about all the stuff I've done? It doesn't matter. Jesus says, come to me. But, but, but you don't know my background. Come to me. But you don't know what I'm doing right now. Come to me. Well, you don't know how messed up I am. Come to me. It doesn't matter your past, your present, your future. You just come. Jesus said, come to me. I'm the answer. Come to me. I will never reject you. Now notice what he gives when we come to him. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. And a little later in the passage, he says, I will give you rest for your soul. Now, that's a much deeper thing than physical rest because, honestly, the problem with most of you is not tired muscles. It's a tired mind. It's tired emotions. It's a tired spirit. It's a spiritual problem. It's a soul problem. You need rest from your soul. You need rest from the tension, the, the anxiety, from the hurry, the worry, the stress, from the expectations, from the comparisons, and all those other things. How do you get rest for your soul? Well, a lot of people try a lot of different things, but Jesus said, come to me. You're only going to find rest for your soul when you come to Jesus. Isaiah 40, 29. It says, he gives power to those who are tired and worn out. He offers strength to the weak. Are you weak? Are you tired? Are you worn out? Listen to what he says, Isaiah 40, 31. Those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. Most of us, man, when we, when we feel empty inside, you know what we try to do? We try to fill it with activity. We think that if we have more, if we do more, if we be more, if we go more, then it's going to fill us up. But it doesn't. It doesn't fill the emptiness. Culture says, go, go, go. Jesus said, come. Come to me. All right? So first, got to get fed up. Second, I've got to come to Jesus. And then here's the third thing. I've got to 
Give up control. Oh, man. Here we go now, right? Now we're talking. Now we're talking about the real issue with the stress in our life. We have to give up control. The reason that we are overloaded is because we're trying to control everything. The reason we do too much is we are trying to control everything around us. We think, man, it's up to us. We've got to hold it all together. And see, the greater your need for control, the greater and the more overloaded you're going to feel and the more stressed you're going to be in your life. Sooner or later, you're going to realize that most of the things that matter are out of your control. This is out of your control. Listen to this quote from Sam Yoon. He says, the only thing God wants you to control is you. Self-control, right? You can't control anything else. Think about it. You can't control your parents. You can't control your spouse. You can't control your kids. Can I get an amen? Right? You can't control your future. You can't control your past. You can't control your economy. You can't control the weather. You can't control your coworkers. The only thing you can control is it's you. It's you. It's, it's, put your hand on your chest. The only thing I can control is me. Self-control. And that's a fruit of the Spirit. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, first, come to me. And then in Matthew eleven nine. 11.29, he says, take my yoke upon you. Now, what's he talking about there? Is that a, like a chicken yoke, an egg yoke? You know? What is he talking about on that? Well, you guys know. He's talking about a piece of wood that connects two animals together uh, to pull a cart. Instead of one cow pulling the cart, you take two cattle or oxen or whatever it is, you know, whatever. You put two, four, six, eight, however many you need, and you use them to, to pull the cart. And what that does is it actually lightens the load because you're pulling it not by yourself anymore. Now let me explain this because you may be thinking, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. And you might be thinking, you know what, my life's really hard already and now I've got to do my yoke and I've got to take Jesus' yoke upon me. I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't sound all that appealing to me. I'm already carrying too much and Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. I want you to write this down. The purpose of a yoke it's to share and lighten the load. It's to share and lighten the load. It's not to put more on you. It's to take it off of you. The purpose of the yoke is so that you're not pulling the cart all by yourself. Jesus says, take my yoke and I'll help you pull it. When two team up together, it's a lot easier than one. And the reason why you are so stressed and overloaded is you're trying to carry it all by yourself. God never intended for you to carry the load all by yourself. So he says, take my yoke upon you. Yoke up with me. And in Matthew 29, I mean, Matthew eleven thirty, 30, he says this, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. The New Living Translation of that same verse says, for my yoke fits perfectly. I love that. In other words, it's designed for you. Now, I need to explain to you, a yoke is a symbol of two things in the Bible. First is the symbol of partnership. What you have here is an offer from Jesus to partner with you in life. To say, look, I know this, this planet that you're living on is a crazy place. I get it, man. You're dealing with all kinds of stuff every day and the pressures and the stress. I see it. I know it's there. It's too much for you. But it's okay because I never designed you to do it alone. I designed you to have a partner, me. I want to partner with you in this thing, all right? That's what he's saying. Jesus isn't going to add to your load. He's going to, to share it. 
Psalm 55, 22. Pile your troubles on God's shoulders. That's yoking up with him. He'll carry your load and help you out. Let me ask you, who do you think's got a stronger back? You or God? <laughs> Obviously, it's God, right? right? So if you're unyoked, then nobody's pulling the load with you. Jesus says, join up with me because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Second thing, yoke is a symbol of control, all right? Because you use a yoke to guide the animals. And when you guide the animals, you keep them from running off into the ditch, right? You keep them from going at a pace that they can't manage. Uh, so I want you to write this down. When I'm yoked with Jesus, we move together in the same direction and at the same pace. If you're yoked to him, you can't go faster than he's going. If you're yoked to him, you can't go in a different direction. When I'm yoked to Christ, I'm going to go in the same direction that he wants me to go. When I'm yoked to Christ, I'm going to go at the same pace he wants me to go because I'm yoked to him. Look at Galatians 5, verse 25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I can't go faster than God. Now, sometimes that's frustrating, right? I mean, because have you ever been in a hurry when God isn't? There's no harder place to be than sitting in God's waiting room. You know, you're just sitting there and going, God, what's the deal? Why is this taking so long? You know, we've prayed about it. We've talked about it. Let's get it going, right? We want that rapid acceleration. We want to keep it going. But he says, I'm going to do it. But I'm going to do it at my pace. So keep in step with the Spirit. Romans 3.23 in the message paraphrase says, Our lives get in step with God by letting Him set the pace. Who's setting the pace in your life right now? Who's sharing the load? If Jesus is helping, man, His load, His yoke is easy. If you're doing it by yourself, then the yoke's on you. All right, groan a little bit and we'll move on to the next one. All right, number four. Bring it. I just love it. You, you're not hurting me any. All right. That's right. Egging me on. That's good. That's good. She's all mine, folks. All mine. Here's number four. We have to learn to trust. And this is how you keep your tank filled, guys. This is how you do it is by learning to trust. We, we've talked about this in this series. And we said, look, you've you got to worry less and trust more. Matthew 9.29, in the second part of the verse, he says, learn from me. Remember, he says, come, and then he says, and take, and now he says, learn. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in spirit, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't, it took me a long time to ever understand this verse. I really didn't get it. I, 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 didn't, I didn't understand. Learn from me because I'm gentle and humble. And I'm thinking, man, I don't see how that's going to make me less stressed. I don't get it, right? I mean, it seems like that would make me more stressed. But, it, but he says, no, it's going to make you less stressed. And it's going to fill your tank, right? He says, you'll find rest for your soul. See, Jesus modeled in his life how to live a life with purpose and peace. That's why he says that the fourth way to, to, to follow this model is to, is to follow what Jesus does. He says, watch how I do it. Watch how I live. It means you've got to read the Bible. Watch how I live and then do the same. He says, if you want to be healthy, if you want to be balanced, learn from me. Now, learning 
is a process, which means it takes time. You didn't get overburdened or overloaded overnight, and you're not going to get unoverloaded overnight. I'm not sure that's a word, but we're going with it. Those of you that are teachers, don't email me. But it's a process, right? Well, what does Jesus want me to learn here? He wants me to learn how to be gentle and humble. And why is that important? Because I, I would rather, he said, you know, learn from me because I have endurance and stamina. Yeah, yeah, that's what I need. I need endurance. I need stamina. Learn from me because I have stability and strength. Yes, now we're talking. Learn from me because I'm gentle and humble. What? <laughs> what is that all about? What gives? Why are those things so important in stress release? Well, it's because it's too, it speaks to the two greatest areas of overload in your life. The two greatest sources of overload in our life are aggression and arrogance. Now, what do I mean by that? Aggression is I don't want to wait. I, want to, I don't want to pause. I don't want to consider. I want to just jump right in. We want to get overcommitted. We want to get aggressive. We want now, 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 right? We don't want to wait. And then arrogance is we want to control everything. I not only know what's best for me, I know what's best for you. And I want to control you. And that causes a lot of relationship problems. Your ego is responsible for more stress in your life than you realize. The aggression, the arrogance. You're you're trying to do it all. You're trying to have it all. You're trying to please everybody. You're trying to be Superman. And Jesus says the antidote for all of that is gentleness and humility. I need to remind myself, and you need to remind yourself, I'm not the savior of everybody. It's not my job. I can't do it. I can't save everybody. And some of you that are here today, you're burned out. You're overstressed. So what do we learn from Jesus? What is his secret of peace? He says, I only do what the Father tells me to do. I only do what the Father tells me to do. So he's gentle. He's humble. He's not trying to be aggressive. He's not trying to be arrogant. He's he's doing what God says, and then he doesn't worry about the rest. Twelve times in the book of John, Jesus says, I only do what my Father tells me to do. You want to have peace in your life? Try trusting God instead of worrying. See if that doesn't lower your overload. See if that doesn't lower your stress. See if that doesn't give you a little bit of margin in your life. Look at this verse. Psalm 20, 24. Since the Lord is directing our steps, why try to understand everything that happens along the way? And if God is directing my steps, if I'm yoked up with him, I don't have to understand it because I know he's going to take me in the right direction. It's going to happen at the right speed, at the right time. It's just going to be right. Psalm 1, 42, 3. When I'm ready to give up. Hang on. That's some of you that are here today. You came in this morning and you were thinking about giving up. Thinking about giving up maybe on a, a job or a career or a relationship or, or your education on your dream, or your, your life, your marriage. You're thinking about giving up, right? I don't know what it is that you're ready to give up on, but God does, you know? And it says this in the verse, when I'm ready to give up, he knows what I should do. If I'm yoked to him, he's going to give you the answers. He's going to help you through that place that you're at right now where you feel like giving up. He's going to give you the strength that you need to get through this moment. If I'm yoked to him, he'll lead me. Here's number five. Number five, start every day by filling my tank. I'm not going to spend a lot of time with this because we really covered it early on in this series. But start every day by filling your tank. Give your day 
to God. Get alone with Him. First thing, have a quiet time. Open up His Word and let Him speak to your heart. Faith comes by? What does it come by? Hearing. One more time. Faith comes by? Hearing. And hearing by? The Word of God. That's right. Let God speak to your heart. That's where you find trust. Matthew 6, 6 from the message. Listen to this. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will then shift from you to God and you'll begin to sense His grace. That's powerful. It's powerful. Here's number six. Stay connected to my church family. Guys, we were never meant to go through life alone. The very first thing that God said about humankind is this. He said, it's not good, Genesis 2.18. It's not good for man to be alone. God hates loneliness. And it's not good for your soul. Now listen, there's a difference between being alone and being lonely, right? You know, you can be alone with God and that's a good thing. But you can be lonely and that's not. And this doesn't matter whether you're married or not. This is about relationships. We need each other. That's why we emphasize small groups here. And to be honest with you, I'm, I'm really excited about this, probably more than I've been in a long time, about this next season of small groups. We're going to be doing some really great groups. We're announcing them next week. You want to be here for that. There, there's going to be sign-up in the foyer. You're going to hear about the groups, and we've got a powerful lineup of small groups. Being in a small group will change your life, having those relationships. Look at these two verses. Hebrews 10.25, Let us not give the habit of meeting together, as some are doing. Instead, let us encourage each other. Encourage one another all the more. Ephesians 1.23, The church is Christ's body, and then notice, it is filled with Christ, who completely fills everything else. So, what do you call a spiritual filling station? It's the church. You're getting filled up right now. God is filling up your soul. Christ fills the church. And then Christ fills everything else. The church is filled with Christ, and he fills everything else. You know why I wanted to do this series? Two reasons. One is I want our church to be healthy. I want all of you to be healthy, man. I, 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 want, I want it so that when people look at your life, you say, you see those people over there? They're different. They're not stressed out. And everybody in a world is going 1,000 miles an hour and stressed, and you can see that in their face, they're not stressed. They're living on margin. They're living at peace. And the second reason is just a good witness to the world around us. How can we tell other people about Jesus Christ? Well, the best open door for, for telling people about Jesus Christ is letting them see the difference in your life because you're not stressed out. You're not hurried. You're not worried. You're not freaking out while all the rest of the world is stressed out. Guys, think about it. If Christians are just as stressed it's, it's everybody else, then people are going to look at you and they're going to say, the only difference I see between my life and your life is you've got a couple extra meetings you go to. And I don't need that. Right? Man, I don't blame them. I don't blame them if that's all. But, but if you could learn to live a life of margin, if you could come to Christ, give up control, learn to trust, start each day with God, stay connected to your church family. People are going to see your life and they're going to see the difference in you and they're going to see that happen, man, and they're going to they're want to know why. Why is that going on? They're going to want to know what it is that changed your life. So let me ask you as we close, what is weighing down your life right now? Is it problems? 
relationships, health issues, finances? Is it overload? God brought you here this morning so he could say to you, come to me. Come to me. You need some rest. I want to give it to you. And you may have been going to church all your life and you've never done that. Today's the day. You may be brand new to church and you've never done that. You, you, know, you need to say today, today is the day, Lord. I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you. I'm giving up control and I'm learning to trust. Would you bow your heads with me? Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you're here today and you would say, Robert, that's me. This message has been for me. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I've been stressed out. I'm overloaded. Seems like things are going a thousand miles an hour. Would you just pray for me? Could I just see your hands wherever you are? Wow, all over the room. Yeah, you can put them down. All over the room, guys. I believe God is here in this moment that he wants to do something significant right now in this time. I believe that God wants to start that process setting you free. God wants you to be free from this pressure. God wants you to be free from all of this stress, all of this overload. It doesn't mean that all your problems are going to be automatically solved. It just means that you're going to realize that the God who can solve your problems is walking you through it. He's yoked up to you. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Lord, I pray for every person that raised their hands, that as they yoke up with you, they would find out that you've got them, that your power, your strength is with them. I speak to the stress, the anxiety, the worry, the, the tiredness. I, I speak to all the, 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 the junk that is just messing up their lives, the problems, the, the finances and all of it. And we say, Lord, we yoke to you. I'm yoking my life to you. Believe that you've got me and you're going to help me through. Maybe you're here and the problem that it's not working for you is that you've never ever said yes to Jesus Christ. You've never let him become the Lord of your life. If that's you and you would say today, Robert, that's me, would you pray for me? Could I just see your hand? I want to pray for you today. I've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life and I need to do that. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you so much. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I'm yoking my life to you right now. I need help. As best as I know how, I'm going to follow you in your plan. I've been trying to do it on my own. It's not working. Give me strength. I'm turning from my way to your way. I'm putting my trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody look up at me. Can we give a hand to the, for those? And if you prayed that prayer with me, would you do me a favor and just take one of those blue cards? Just put your name on it. Let me know who you are. To say, hey, Robert, I prayed that prayer with you. So here's my prayer for you this week. 
that you'll take these principles that we've been talking about in the margin series and you'll look at a way to kind of slow things down, focus in. Maybe there's some things in your life that you need to get rid of. Kind of focus in on where God is leading you. Be yoked to him so that he's taking you. He's moving you at his pace in the direction for your life. Because if you move in that direction, your life's going to find fulfillment. It's going to find joy. And that's my prayer for you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hey, a couple quick things just before you take off. Next week, we are starting a brand new series called Radical. And I'm really looking forward to it. We're talking about rediscovering the radical message of Jesus. You know, when you think of radical, what comes to your mind? Kind of over the top, you know, kind of out there kind of thing. Would you be surprised if radical meant something far different than what you ever imagined it to be? We're going to talk about that in this series. We're going to talk about things like radical freedom and radical grace, radical, radical joy, just radical. Next week is radical gratitude. Radical gratitude. It's going to be a, a game changer. just want to say, men, all the men in the room, man, you're invited uh, to Men's Fight Club Saturday, 9 a.m., Bistro 98 in Midway. Would love for you to come and be a part of that. Great time of food and fellowship and, and faith and you know, just kind of building relationships. So for all the men, 9 o'clock, Bistro 98 on Saturday uh, in Midway. And then there is a baptism that's happening right after the service. Let me just say, uh, if there's a quick baptism class, for those of you that didn't catch the baptism class last week, it's going to happen right up here at the front. Uh, Give us just a couple of minutes after the service. But if you're going to the baptism, you can go ahead and head on out. We don't know what the traffic's going to be like. What is the weather like right now, Sheree? Do you know? (laughs) Go look. (laughs) Uh, But but here's here's where you go. If you'll take and uh, head out like you're going to Pensacola Beach, turn right towards Fort Pickens. And just before you get to the entrance area of Fort Pickens, there's a group of... um, uh, wayside, kind of a wayside park there on the left. We're going to be out there and uh, we're going to be meeting together. We want you to join with the people that are getting baptized. Let's encourage them and be there uh, for them. And so all of that's happening. If you're new and this is your first time and I haven't had a chance to meet you, I'd love to say hello. I'll be in the foyer right after the service. I want to pray one more prayer. If, if we can, just raise your hands with me. Father, I want to pray a prayer of blessing in Jesus' name. I thank you for every person that's here. I pray that you would bless them, pour your spirit out upon them. Give them wisdom, Lord. Father, give them favor in the eyes of people they come in contact with. Let your anointing rest upon their life. Father, I pray that you would give them divine opportunities that they could tell other people the story of what you've done in their life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen.